poor in spirit simply means that I recognize that I am bankrupt apart from God. See, poor in spirit means that I recognize that without God, I've got nothing. So simple, but yet so hard. See, poor in spirit is the idea in the heart that says, I am nothing, I have nothing, I can do nothing, I stand in need of all things. See, it doesn't mean I'm worthless, but it means I'm not worthy apart from God. It means apart from God, there is nothing in my life that counts. It's the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of self-sufficiency. It's recognizing that I am totally dependent on God for everything. It's recognizing that when it comes to spirit, the best that I bring to the table is, as it says in Proverbs, filthy rags before a holy God. See, there's nothing that I have that He wants, nothing I have that He needs. I am bankrupt before God. Now, do you recognize that this is the same attitude we had when we accepted God in the first place? See, that's the only way you can come to God is spiritually bankrupt. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. The narrow gate, the wide gate. You see, when you came to Jesus and accepted Him as Savior, you had to come broken, saying, listen, I, I don't have anything. And what Jesus is saying is he recognized that after we started a relationship with him, after we began to grow in Christ, we would begin to get a little prideful, spiritual prideful. I'm doing pretty good. I go to church, don't I, right? I, I've got a big family Bible I carry around. I write a big check every week. I sing in the choir. I preach, I teach, I, I lead. Man, I got it all together. I'm, I'm certainly better than that guy over there. Look at him, man. I volunteer in the nursery. He's just here at Easter and Christmas. I'm doing pretty good, right? You see, Jesus recognized that that was within our nature, even being followers of Christ. And what he's saying is, listen, when you begin to fall into that prideful trap, even in the Spirit, it will keep you from experiencing happiness. Why? Because you will start placing your trust in yourself again. You'll start thinking, it's, I'm doing pretty good. I, I've tried pretty hard. It's not about you trying. It's not about anything that you do. You see, the more you think it's about you, the more you'll take your focus off what it's really about. It's about God. See, Jesus didn't just teach this. He lived it. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 2. For your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ, who being found the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. See, what Paul was writing is, listen, Jesus didn't just say poor in spirit was something for you. He was saying, that was my character. I want you to think about this. The creator of the world in human form allowed men to beat him and spit on him and mock him. You don't think that required poverty in spirit? See, we get all up in arms when somebody doesn't give us something we want or don't give us our due or don't pay attention to us. Jesus said, listen, you really want to be happy. The more dependent on me you become, the happier you'll be. Because the more dependent on me the more you recognize you don't bring anything to the table. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will receive the kingdom of God. You see, what we need to understand is we are called to submit ourselves completely and totally to the Holy Spirit. Submit ourselves of everything that we have. I I think a perfect example of of what it means to be poor in spirit and what it doesn't mean to be poor in spirit is, is the... Story Jesus tells of the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. You, you remember the story? Jesus is walking and teaching, and this, this guy comes before him. He's a rich guy, a Jewish guy, and he, he's trying to show off how much he knows. He says, Master, teacher, what must a do, man do to be saved? And Jesus says, what do you think? And the guy kind of puffed up and said, Well, the Word of God says that we need to keep the commandments. And Jesus said, well, go and do likewise. He said, oh, wait, I've already done them all. Now, I want you to think about that. You ever have your kid, you, you leave a list for your kid to clean when you're going somewhere? Say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to scrub and do this and do this and do this. And you go, like you walk out of the room, and you come back in, your kid's laying on the couch. And you're like, I just left you a list. Oh, I already done it all. You did what? I didn't hear the vacuum. Where's the broom? That's the amount of what he's saying. He's like, Jesus, I I got that figured out. Now listen, in Judaism, no matter if he was a Pharisee or Sadducee, whichever school, it's either 400 laws that he says he's kept or 700 laws that he said he's kept. Oh, I've done all that. Jesus said, you got a problem, and your problem is not keeping the laws. The problem is your pride and your self-sufficiency and your arrogance. So Jesus looked at him and said, if you want to really... Inherit the kingdom of God, sell everything that you've got, come and follow me. Now some people say, well, see, Jesus was telling him to get rid of his stuff. He was rich. No, it didn't have anything to do with that. It had to do with his arrogance of thinking his stuff made him important. The arrogance of him thinking that because of who he was or what family he came from or how much his checking account was, he didn't need to follow any of the other rules. And Jesus said, the only ones who can really follow me, the only ones who can really experience happiness are those that are willing to get rid of everything and say, I have nothing apart from God. Now, the thing I love about this is Jesus doesn't just say, you'll experience blessedness and happiness and joy when you walk in poverty of spirit or humility. He also says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, sometimes it's easy to read that and think, well, Jesus is talking about we get to go to heaven, you know. That's not what he's saying. He's not talking about the place that we will get to go to when we die and spend eternity. He is talking about the place that he rules. Remember last week we learned Jesus was, they were all trying to get to the kingdom, and Jesus saying, listen, the kingdom's not up there. The kingdom is here. Kingdom is here. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly, life to the fullest. What Jesus was saying is those who are poor in spirit, those who are, are dirt broke poor, will experience a happiness that only comes from my kingdom. You'll get to experience fullness of life. How, how can you be full if you're humble? Well, first of all, you'll experience more grace. James says pretty clear, God opposes the proud. And the word there, God stiff arms the arrogant. But he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I can use more grace. 
You know what grace is? It's unmerited favor. That means when we deserve punishment, when we deserve the consequences of our actions, when we blow it, when we sin, and we deserve everything that's coming our way, God says, wait a minute. Because you walk in humility, because you recognize that I blew it, I'm going to protect you, not just from the punishment, I'm going to give you my blessings instead. I could use that kind of grace because you know what happens? More grace, more happiness. You know what also happens when we walk in humility? We experience less stress. We are the most stressed out country in the world. How does being poor in spirit give you less stress? Because when you begin to recognize and admit that you don't have the answers, that you're not perfect, you don't have it all figured out, that the world does not revolve around you, do you know how much weight that takes off your chest? When you begin to understand, listen, I don't have to be perfect because I'm not perfect. I don't have to have all the answers because I don't. I don't have to have everything figured out. The world does not revolve around me. I am not in charge. God is in charge, and I am going to trust Him. When you take all of those things off of you and begin to trust Him because you recognize your place in this order, all of a sudden you begin to get less stress because you don't have to be something that you're not, someone that you can't be. More grace, more happiness. Less stress, happiness. It also improves your relationship with others. When you're not walking in arrogance, when you're walking in humility, you admit, I made mistakes. You're willing to put others before yourself. You don't think that you're the most important person in the room. You ever been around somebody that was arrogant? No one wants to be around those people. The more humble you are, the more you're able to do what God's calling you to do. See, that's, that's the key to the kingdom. Because you see, when you walk in humility, when you come to a place that you can admit, apart from God, I am nothing, then you all of a sudden allow God's power to begin to move through you. What is the kingdom of heaven? It is you getting out of the way so God can show up. Listen to me. Some of you have been praying for God to show up in a circumstance or a situation for a long time. God, this family situation is a mess. God, this school situation is a mess. God, th this circumstance and situation in my community is a mess. And I just need you to show up. Well, guess what? God's not going to show up as long as you think you have all the answers. You see, we go try all of our solutions and we try to do it all our way. And we say, God, I, I'm waiting for you. Come on over here and show up. God's saying, wait a minute. I'm not going to show up till you step back, take your hands off of it and say, I can't fix this. See, some of you are trying to fix your marriage and you're, you're doing all these other things. Listen, you can't until you come to a place where you take your hands off of it and you cry out to God and say, God, unless you show up, this won't be fixed. Because it's in that place where you admit your weakness that all of a sudden God shows up and His power is released. That is the kingdom of heaven. That is is the power of walking in humility. Now, I'm almost done. I told you last week, we can't produce this. You can't make yourself humble. Only the Holy Spirit can. And you can't make yourself poor in spirit because when you try, it, it just doesn't work. It comes off as false. You sound like Eeyore, remember? 
But what you can do is you can recognize that you struggle with pride and the reason you struggle with pride is because there are some things in your life that you haven't given over to the Holy Spirit that you're still holding on to control. And you will not recognize humility until you take your hands off of it and say, God, I'm giving it to you this morning. The reason some of you aren't happy this morning, the reason some of you aren't walking in humility is because there's an area of your life that the Holy Spirit hasn't received. There's an area you're holding back. If you want to experience this kind of happiness, the first step is to to open your heart and say, God, show me what I'm holding on to. Show me the places that I'm still prideful of. Show me the places that I still think that I've got it all figured out. Show me the places that I still think I'm in control and, and I can handle it and everything is working out. And it's not until you take your hands off of those places and give them over to God that all of a sudden you can begin to be poor in spirit. So the Holy Spirit does the work, but there is something you can do to help cultivate listening to Him this morning. We talked about the soil last week. There's something you can do to to soften the soil so God can speak to you. Because see, some of you in here, you're, you're like, Amen, Pastor. Amen, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I so wish so and so was here today because he's arrogant. I mean, don't look at me spiritual. You are. You see it in the back of your head. I'm going to have to get a tape of that. Right? No. He's talking to you. He's asking how broken you are. And the reason you can't hear is because the, the ground's not ready. So how can you prepare the ground? Two things and I'm done. The first thing is you can get a proper view of who God is. You see, sadly today, we've made God in our own image. He's not the man upstairs. He's not a genie you come to when you want something done. He's not a happy Santa Claus sitting on a throne waiting to give you your heart's desire. He is a holy and righteous creator of the universe. That one day every person in this world will bow a knee before and praise and worship and will stand in judgment. I love the picture of Job. You know the story of Job. Everything's taken away from him. He's broken. And he's he's out in the wilderness just saying, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand. Well, that God I don't understand all of a sudden turns to God. When are you going to tell me what's going on here? And in Job chapter 38, it's one of my favorite passages In the Old Testament, God shows up. And Job is going, I don't get it. I don't deserve this. Why is this happening? And why? And and I, you know, God, you you I deserve an answer. And God shows up and says, You deserve a what? He said, Job, and it's beautiful. Go read it. He looks at Job and he says, Job, let me ask you, were you there when I blew the clouds into existence? Job, were you there when I waved my hands and the stars came? Were you there when I unleashed the waters upon the earth? Were you there when the lands began to be formed? Were you there when I spoke man into existence? No, you weren't. Why? Because you're not God. And you see, the one thing that will help you gain a proper perspective of who God is is get into His Word and find out who He really is. Another way is worship. See, the reason we sing and worship is not to fill time before the preacher comes up. 
It's to give us a proper perspective of God. When you begin to sing, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands has made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Because you see, when you begin to worship in truth, when you begin to sing these songs and recognize who God is and what He has done for you, then you can't help but be broken and humble. See, no person that's ever come face to face with God has not crawled away. Isaiah 6, Isaiah thought he had something. He walks into the temple, going to bring an offering, and the Bible says God shows up. And God shows up in might and power, and the only response that Isaiah has is to fall on his face and begin to cry, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. I do not deserve to be in your presence. You see, if you can gain a proper perspective of who God really is, then it will change your perspective of who you really are. Because you see, when I see him and I see me and I recognize that I'm not him, that He is mighty and righteous, but yet He still loves me, it changes my perspective. The Bible says that will cause us to a place of humility. It will cause us to fall on our knees and cry out to Him. You see, the question for us this morning is, are you happy? I mean really happy. Be honest. Are you experiencing a joy and contentment in your spirit that that can't be taken away no matter how much money's in the bank account or no matter whether or not your, your plans worked out the way you wanted them? Is there still a happiness there in your spirit? If not, why not? Because Jesus promises it to you. It's available this morning. Maybe you need to stop looking around for a thing or a person, or more stuff, and start looking up. Because when you start looking up, then you start looking in. And you recognize who you are through the power of Christ Jesus. You have the power and the potential to experience a joy unspeakable, a happiness that can never be taken away. But the question is, are you willing to be Dirt, poor, broke in spirit before a holy God this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we just ask that you would forgive us. Forgive us when we're arrogant. Forgive us when we think we've got all the answers. Forgive us when we put our hope in our degrees or in our bank account or in our family name or or in where we live or the kind of car we drive. Father, forgive us when we think happiness is based on having or doing or being. Father, teach us this morning that everything we have is because of you and because of your grace and mercy. Father, bring us to our knees at the cross. Father, break us of our pride. Break us of our arrogance so that we might be rebuilt to see your power released through us today. Father, I pray if there's someone here this morning that's never experienced 
your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. If they've never experienced the hope that comes from this happiness, God, I pray they wouldn't walk out of this place without calling out to you. Father, for most of us here that are believers, Jesus was speaking to us. Because somehow we've gotten lazy and we've started thinking we're doing pretty good. Yeah, we get mad when you don't show up. But, but we got it figured out. God, break us. Break us to be totally dependent on you for everything. Totally dependent on you. Father, to say I am nothing, I have nothing. And apart from God, I can do nothing. Because it's at that place that we become empowered through your Holy Spirit. Father, empower your church this morning. Empower your believers. I pray that somebody this morning that has been unhappy for a long time will get a glimmer of joy in their heart. That God, all of a sudden, they will start recognizing that it doesn't depend on those things. It's all about you. And that, God, there will be a spiritual joy beginning to overtake them. And that will manifest itself in happiness this week. That they'll find themselves, as they sing your songs, as they read your word, being overcome with joy, overcome with happiness that they can't explain. And, Father, I pray that releases itself in this community on families. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up and worship with us? Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I pray God's blessings on you. I know that uh, you think, well, we just covered one verse this morning. It's going to take us forever to get through this. It might. Okay? Because I, I just got to tell you, this, this truth will change your life if you allow it to. And I don't want to rush past it. I don't want to miss anything. I'm going to try to stay exactly where the Holy Spirit has each one of us. I, I, I could go another two hours on this verse, on the joy, <laughs> amen, the joy that comes from experiencing being broken in spirit. And, and I, I pray that this week, some of you just catch a glimpse of that. Just catch a glimpse. Because the greatest thing of... You know, it's vulnerable. We hate being vulnerable in America, right? We hate opening ourselves up and saying, I ain't got nothing. I, I, there's nothing I bring. But the joy of a Christian is knowing that it's at your most vulnerable. It's when you open yourself up and you say, God, I, man, I'm a mess. And God says, I can fix that. I can clean that up. I can help you start over. That's happiness. That's joy, that's content.